0: The Athletic.
1: Today I feel catatonic? Uh... Yes, the World Cup is underway, and we just witnessed Ecuador 2 Catanil for the hosts. A game as sobering as a trip to one of their stadia, beaten at home like one of those red-headed children Jani was talking about. We salute. Ecuador and Enna Valencia. And look ahead to Monday's games with England, Iran, Netherlands, Senegal, and Wales, USA. It's totally at the World Cup, sponsored by Livescorebet. And away we go, listener! The World Cup is underway, and on on day one of our pod coverage, we got with us Duncan Alexander. Matt Davis Adams, and live from the Al Bayt Stadium.
0: Hello, Nick Miller. Hello, England. How are you? <laughs> All right. Hey, everybody. How's it there in Qatar, Nick? Uh, well, currently it's
2: astonishingly loud. Nick, can you tell him to turn it down a bit, mate?
0: Oh yeah. Hang on. I'll just uh, I'll just give someone a shout. Uh, is that is that better? No, it's not better. It's not, hey. working. It's not working. Nick, though, that you just
1: sat through the what well, the opening ceremony, I imagine
0: and Ecuador to
1: Qatar nil. 17 days you travelled to watch that, Nick.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sat through is uh, more than you can say for a lot of the crowd. we seem to to leave quite early on. It's a bit strange. But yes, the end of a very long journey. We travelled from uh, London to Doha. 17 countries in 17 days and we were all very tired. All right. It's quite noisy where you are. So do you want to give us your thoughts on the
1: game, and then we'll let you go and get a beer or whatever? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a brilliant game. It was, um, although I did quite enjoy the Ecuador fans olaying uh, before half time. It's quite a flex when you're playing the the, um, the host nation in the first game of the World Cup. Um, Maybe they were just getting their ordering, given that there's no beer. <laughs> Quite, or well, maybe so. Yeah, uh, it, it was. I don't know. It's quite. I don't know how it came across on the TV uh, back back in England. But it was quite. A, seemed quite like a flat game. Ecuador right. scored scored two, possibly three goals quite early on, and then mm. uh, seemed to kind of sit back and enjoy themselves for the rest of the game. Okay. Um, Qatar have obviously been kind of preparing for, for this, but for the, the, the team have been preparing for this for you know best part. 15 years with the the growing players in this lab that they've got over here. So it was quite a flat opening to uh, to the tournament for them. Indeed. And and as regards just your arrival, when did you actually get into Qatar? Uh, So we arrived yesterday. Um, What uh, what have you made of it so far? It's it's a very strange place. I I wouldn't necessarily want to judge it. currently because it's basically a FIFA theme park, like everything has got World Cup branding on it, there wasn't a, when we were driving from the airport into the centre of town, there wasn't a single banner, advertisement, billboard or poster, or anything like that that wasn't related to the World Cup in some way, um, so it's, it's kind of, it seems like a sort of half finished city and the, the bit that's finished is very shiny and gleaming, but the stuff that isn't really finished is you know, quite quite grim. I-, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it as a tourist destination. Based on two days here, it's a very odd place. Okay, well we look forward to further updates from you Nick but uh, it's been a heck of a trip. You go and enjoy
1: your tent or whatever accommodation you have for the evening and we'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you very much.
3: This is the Totally Football Show part of the Athletic
1: Podcast Network. Nick Miller there at the Albite Stadium, right. Hey Duncan and Matt. Hey. Opening hey. day of a World Cup. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is exciting.
2: Theoretically, it is, yeah. Um, I don't think that game will go down as one of the, the all time greats, will it? But... So,
1: our question in the preview, re Qatar, was might they not actually be rubbish? And I think we got our answer, Matt.
4: Yeah, I'm confused. The last time I saw Qatar was them winning the 2019 Asian Cup, beating Japan in the final, uh, looking like a kind of beta version of 2010. Spain with this fellow up front, Amoez Ali, who got nine goals in that tournament. I know that 15 of that squad are in this squad. But as you alluded to before we recorded, James, it's almost like calling off the league for a prolonged period and just playing a whole bunch of friendlies against kind of mid-ranking opposition from Northern Ireland, etc. Wasn't the best mm. way to tune up for this tournament. All right. Well,
1: it was also the excellence of Ecuador and in particular, Ena Valencia, mere minutes into the game. Duncan, uh, he had put the ball in the net queuing wild celebrations from the Ecuador fans only to see the goal disallowed. Can you break down what happened?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think a VR disallowed goal a few minutes into the first game was something people thought might happen uh, or could happen and it did happen but i think after the initial rage from everyone um it was actually the correct decision because right. once they worked out that the uh, the ecuador player had touched the ball before the cross was put in the goal i mean it's one of those where the goalkeeper is actually so far up the pitch that people kind of forget you need two players the offside rule is two players and usually obviously the goalkeeper is one but he wasn't in this one so it was a yeah it was a, a contentious Mm. Ish, but it was. I think it was the correct, correct decision. Okay, and I think you know it, it didn't harm uh, Ecuador at all, did it? So that it's not like they were robbed.
4: It
1: might have rocked the confidence of Qatari keeper al Sheeb, though.
4: Yeah, he um, he didn't do brilliantly, did he? Um, it was interesting that he got the captain's armband off on when the um, skipper got substituted in the second half. It mm. felt like that was a kind of everybody gets a prize kind of gesture um,
2: maybe just to strengthen the strength in his arm a little
4: bit. <laughs> maybe yeah his arm which was involved in conceding the, the
1: penalty which did actually see Ecuador after that goal had been disallowed uh, take the take the lead in this game uh, and it was a Valencia who stepped up and made this the first ever World Cup to see its opening goal scored from the spot
2: yeah um, I mean if we just look at Al uh, Sheeb's first half he let in two goals one penalty conceded Zero saves and one yellow card. It's not, it's not an all-time classic, but you know, kept a clean sheet in the second half. Mm. So,
1: nice. <laughs> uh, by contrast, Enna Valencia's first half saw him score two goals, have another one disallowed, and get three Qataris booked. That second goal, the header, for the second goal man.
4: It was kind of good on first viewing and then you watch the replay and see it come off the top of his head and think "Hmm, maybe actually that wasn't particularly well executed. But hey, any goal's a good goal, isn't it? I was interested to see him dispatch the penalty so coolly Mm. on such a big occasion. As well, having watched him fluff one in a, a sort of, non-entity of a Europa League group game for Fenerbahce away at Cypriot side AEK last month, where he got the jitters and hit it straight at the goalie, to um, so have bottled that one and dispatched this one. Well, he again. obviously,
2: he's been watching Ivan Tony because it was the it was the technique of just waiting for the keeper to move, and he did move, and then just nonchalantly rolling it into the bottom right-hand corner. The only other thing about Valencia in the first half was that mm. he also got injured, mm. and Ecuador made the baffling should we say decision to keep him on the pitch when it looked like that was the most nailed on 2-0 win ever and then lo and behold in the second half it looked like it got worse and I mean he didn't look that distraught as he went off but you know that could really impact them for their for the other two group games
4: Absolutely. Quite, quite comforting though I felt that with the VAR decision as well obviously this is a rather jarring tournament especially coming straight out of the Premier League but to get the VAR controversy and then the player hyper extends knee but plays mm-hmm. on anyway for another 50 minutes feels very this season so.
1: right you felt at home yeah nice second half was mostly Duncan about chasing a particular statistic
2: yeah, it was a little bit like that—that that bit of football commentary from The Simpsons when it's like midfielder passes to half-back or whatever—and because not much happened. The big excitement was um, right up until a couple of minutes to go. There, there'd been uh, nine and, and ten shots, so basically, few—the the all-time record fewest shots in a World Cup game from 1966 to today mm-hmm. is eleven. Senegal against Colombia for an opener or just any, any World game? Cup. Any game was eleven. Uh, right. Senegal Colombia in 2018, and it looked like this game was gonna going to break it, but then uh, Ecuador had a pretty bad shot in injury time that, that took it up to 11, so it's still a joint record, so okay. we saw history being made, just maybe not the history we wanted. Well, we also saw a, ho-
1: a host team losing yep. their opening game for the first time ever, Qatar who had no shots on target, I believe, at all in the in the 90. No, no. None. Okay. How how did this one sit with you know with other great World Cup openers? Well, how does this one where does this sit among your favorites?
2: So my theory is that they switched in from 2002 was the last World Cup where the opening game uh was the holders playing their first game. And I think that's a, usually a better a better vibe because it's like the you know a team that are very good because they've recently won the World Cup. And I think you can look back to you know 98 even 2002 Senegal beating France, 1990 Cameroon obviously beating being Argentina, they were sort of classic opening games. Whereas I think we, since they switched it to the, to the host playing the first game, it's not quite been as the same. Obviously last time out, Russia smashed Saudi Arabia and that felt a little bit underwhelming just because you don't really want to work up to start with a 5-0. With
1: I wouldn't have minded a 5-0 to be honest.
2: As long as it was under 11 shots, yeah, that's
1: fine. Yeah, that was the key thing. We've talked a fair amount about Qatar and a lot of people were asking if they're the worst World Cup team we've ever seen. Other people were mentioning, could we see a, a, a mid-tournament sacking? This has been that kind of performance. Duncan,
2: you've got news on that? Yeah, back in 98, three teams actually changed managers mid-World Cup. Uh, South Korea, Saudi Arabia and Tunisia. So it's, it's not unknown. Um, who, at- who did they go with? The assistant or did they... Uh, I think some of them them brought in completely new people right I mean the manager did look a little pensive should we say Mm -hmm. I mean it's not as Matt was saying you know they have looked it's not like they've looked rubbish for years they have looked good at points Um, and obviously I mean maybe it was the pressure you know this is a big a big moment the the crowd was was there in the first half, um, so and that's when they played badly. Yeah,
4: I mean he's been in charge since 2006, hasn't he? So or, he, or he's been he- heading up the, this whole project from a football perspective. So you think it'd be very unlikely that they'd that they'd get rid of him. Um I just wonder if Ecuador might regret their attitude in the second half at all. You know, if it comes down to to goal difference or goals scored in this, they, they could have won this game easily. But it was an unusual position. For them to be in having drawn four of their last five nil nil and, and not scored more than once in any of their last eleven. So you wonder if it was just a kind of well, what's going on here? Well we've scored twice. That must be that must be our quota for the day. Um yeah, maybe maybe that will come back to bite them.
1: Apart from Valencia with his two goals, did anyone else stand out for you? Were you impressed with uh,
4: Ecuador? Um, no, not particularly. I mean the second half is like the worst Ecuador performance since that sash gig I went to back in um, 98 so no there wasn't really anybody who stood out I would have to say all right but
1: they will be taking on Netherlands on Friday when Qatar will face Senegal a Senegal side who won't have Sadio Mane among uh, among their ranks because he's now been ruled out of the World Cup you've no doubt seen that MRI scan on Thursday showing that he needed surgery so he's had to return home player who delivered the AFCON title and World Cup qualification with his winning penalties both in shootouts with Egypt. Of course, they're going to be taking on Netherlands on Monday. Matt, you've
4: got a theory about who might be stepping up into Sadio's uh, shoes. Yeah, it's a bit of a stretch, but it would be a brilliant story, I think. Ilman Jai, who has only made two substitute appearances for Senegal so far, but he has been absolutely outstanding in the Championship this season. He plays for Sheffield United. It's a really interesting story. Born in France, um, his dad's Senegalese, moved back to Senegal for a while, moved over to England. He played for Boreham Wood. Uh, Recently, as 2020, he was on loan at Hyde United. He was actually spotted by Sheffield United in a match at St. George's Park, which was a trial for VAR, for officials to get used to how to use it. And there were some scouts there and they watched him, really liked him. He's managed to get into the Senegal squad, but he is a striker in, in absolutely fantastic form. And he's been... I would say probably the best player in the championship this season. It's a big ask to go from two sub appearances to replacing Sadio Mane. But there's a story there that, w- that would be terrific if he came in and, and, you know, showed the
2: form that he's been showing at Bramall
4: Lane in, in Qatar this season. Absolutely.
2: And that's the sort of story you want from a World Cup. Um, and I imagine he might be keen to face uh, Al Sheeb in the Qatar goal because, you know, in, some shots. Indeed. We've well, got the Netherlands
1: before that. Are we looking forward to seeing the Netherlands?
2: Yeah, they are I'd call them a pale horse. I think there's four categories at World <laughs> Cups. There's you know big favourites, pale horse, dark horse, and then just not or very good. Their P- horse, pony. dead horse. Yeah. Then pony probably. Pony, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um and the Netherlands are too successful to, to be a dark horse, I think. But it's how, in- how successful are the Netherlands going to be? They're in amazing form, though. They had
1: a wonderful Nations League campaign, uh, undefeated since Van Haal returned. He says this squad is better than the one he took to the semi finals in 2014. What do you think?
4: I think that one of very few feel good stories that could come from this World Cup w- would be, you know, a seriously ill Louis Van Haal leading the Dutch to glory in this tournament. I think that is one of the things that, that could really make this a, a memorable World Cup. And I mean, the, the options they've got in defence, for one thing, are just ludicrous, aren't they? The players who might not play for them, like Delicts, might not get in the starting lineup. So you'd think that they'd have a. They'd have a decent chance. I mean, this is the biggest game of the group for them, isn't it? I'm from from a from a with my Chelsea head on, I'm, I'm interested to see if we get the Senegal versions of Edouard Mendy and Kalidou Koulibaly, mm. or the Chelsea versions. That might be a big factor in this game in particular. But you'd imagine these are these are one and two in Group A, aren't they? So this is a this is a really crucial game as to as to who wins and theoretically, therefore, might get the better draw in the last sixteen. But I I make Holland up amongst the favourites. All right, this game taking place four o'clock. On Monday afternoon,
1: Duncan.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say the Netherlands are, are experts at getting out of groups. As well, they haven't lost a group game since 1994. So, I mean, often they do miss out on World Cups, but once they get there, they are pretty, pretty smooth. And with Depay being out injured, please Valverde horse up front. That's what that's what the world needs.
1: All right. So yes, Depay unlikely to feature in this game. Set your money out for Senegal. And the other big news coming on Saturday. Re. Big names that won't be able to take part in the tournament is of course Karim Benzema. So we'll have the top two from the Ballon d'Or both out. Massive shock there. Hmm. All right. Well, that's at four o'clock. That game. Meanwhile, earlier and later on on Monday, you'll have Group B swinging into action. Kane, Giorena, Asmoon, Kifa Moore, all of them and more. We'll talk about uh, those matches next.
3: This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet, the home of Squads. Squads is a weekly free-to-play game. You reveal five players across the week which make up your squad, and you can earn cash each time they score in the selected games. The cash amount is decided by LiveScore Bet's prize wheel and can range from 10p up to £50 pounds per goal, which you can spend once the final player is revealed. Find out more and play Squads for yourself for free at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScore Bet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only and full terms and conditions apply. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org.
1: This upcoming World Cup What are The Athletic going to be doing about it? Well, every night I'll be hosting a Totally Football show with the likes of Raphael Honigstein, James Horncastle and the rest of the Totally crew. Then every morning from Qatar, wham! The Athletic Football Podcast will be at you with David Ornstein, Matt Slater, Adam Crafton and many more. There'll also be World Cup content from Adam Hurry's Football Clichés Podcast, Michael Cox's insightful Athletic Football Tactics Podcast and Joe Devine's TIFO Podcast with all the stories that matter from Qatar. All in all, The Athletic is your essential audio companion for the upcoming World Cup.
0: Now, incredible game. When they play with a false nine, it changes everything. A false nine, eh? What's that
4: then? Well, it, it, it's, um, <laughs> you, you know, it, it's what, he's, he's a nine, but he's not really a nine in the area and... Uh,
5: Oh, uh, sorry. I just got to take that. Urgent football question? Call the Athletic Emergency Football Hotline. 0800-0433-433. News, insights, analysis, The Athletic. Know the game. Love the game. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear,
4: you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com
6: slash credit card.
5: This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is Welcome to Wrexham, all new Thursdays on
6: FX, stream on Hulu.
3: On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson.
1: Group B gets underway on Monday. Top-ranked group in this World Cup, of course. Got England-Iran, that's at 1 o'clock UK time, 4 o'clock in Qatar and in the evening USA-Wales. England against Iran. Matt, how nervous are you about this?
4: Uh, I wouldn't say I'm nervous. I am anticipating a fairly drab one-all draw. Uh, at best, a, a one nil win. England, you know, notoriously slow starters in, in tournaments. Um, yeah, the, the back three makes me nervous. If it's going to be Maguire, Stones and Eric Dyer, I think that is a genuine cause for concern. Uh, I'd quite like to see Foden and Saka the side of Kane rather than Raheem Sterling playing who is woefully out of form but yeah I think th- these games for England tend to be just a kind of drudge Harry Kane or score a goal um, I know as we record him there's a story that he might not wear his one love armband because he could get an instant booking at the start of the game
1: you could get a booking for wearing a one love armband because FIFA so. have supplied their own message. not even
2: Vinnie Jones did that get an instant booking <laughs> or wear one love armband um, yeah I mean Matt's totally right about England England starts so badly at World Cups and They've only scored more than two goals in one of their last 20 games at World Cups, and that was that 6-1 against Panama, which, you know...
1: They've also had statistically the worst build-up to a World Cup, like, ever. Is that
2: right? Yeah, and it, we don't know. I mean, they didn't They didn't play a warm-up game. We honestly don't know how... They could come out. I mean, I do, I do kind of feel like Southgate selecting Madison and was a little bit like, OK, maybe I do have to sort of... Change things a little bit. I know Madison's unlikely to, to feature in this game, but I think, it, surely Southgate's recognised that it's, you know, has been a little bit slow and turgid recently. But, um, but yeah, I, th- I think it, with Carlos Quiroz as well on the other, on the other bench, it's not going to be an all-time classic. I liked um, Quiroz saying, talking about England, he said, this team is very, very functional, very practical, very realistic. Which well, sounds nice. like what, when I'm describing a computer game to my mum, but, yeah. yeah. Does she play a lot? <laughs> No.
1: Okay. Um, How important is it not to lose your opening match at the World Cup?
2: Well, Spain did and won the World Cup. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, that really spoils that (laughs) storyline. I I was going with only eight of the 73
2: teams to lose their
1: opening game in the last six World Cups have advanced to the knockout stages. Spain, very much the outliers.
2: They are the outliers. And also, pretty much every World Cup winner. Um, since 1986 has had to win their group we haven't had a team coming second or third when you could uh, go on to win the World Cup so essentially you think back to 2010 when England had a similar group with with USA again and they only came second in that one obviously played Germany in the next round and Mesut Ozil outpaced Gareth Barry a very different time England don't want
4: to go into the Wales game, the third match, needing to win that. I think I think that's what makes this first game so important. And you think that if England scored early, they ought to be able to to beat Iran reasonably comfortably. But that has been a problem, and and may well be in this game too. You, you look at England, you don't see them scoring multiple goals in games at the moment. So yeah,
1: well we shall see. We we had a a long chat with Basil McDaddy about Iran that was in our, uh, our preview show so do look out for that listener if, you, if you're keen for more information on Team Meli, I'm particularly keen to see Alares Berenvand uh, with his Guinness Book of Records uh, throws the goalkeeper 61.5 metres anyway it's going to be hot in Doha will that be a factor I don't know but uh, we'll find out Monday afternoon meanwhile Group B also features the these boys wiles. Yep, House of the Dragon, Wales. They're facing USA in the late game on Monday, and we're joined now by Welshnesses Tom Williams. Hello, James. Lovely to be with you. Wow. Well, yeah. And on such a special day as well. What's what's this?
5: There we are. That, James, Woo. is the unmistakable sound, of course, of David Iwan and his, uh, his song, uh, which has become yeah. the Welsh anthem for this World Cup.
1: It certainly has, Tom. Red Storm is coming. Red Storm is coming. First match at a World Cup in 64 years. Did you ever think you'd see this day?
5: Um, No, Uh, because as someone who uh, sort of grew up in the 1990s when when Wales were at at rock bottom for pretty much the entire decade, um, I used to think that I would never see Wales qualify for a major tournament. And I used to think if they just qualify for one major tournament just once, that'll be enough. Even if they stink the place out, if they lose every game... That will do um, and here we are our third major tournament out of the last four, but as you say, first World Cup since 1958, which means that if you're aged under 70, you've never seen Wales play a World Cup before so amid all the historic achievements of, of recent years qualifying for Euro 2016, getting to the semi-finals in France, qualifying for Euro 2020, this first World Cup appearance since 1958 is, uh, is right up there.
1: All right. What moments you've been through to get here, the Kiefer Moore in the game against Belgium and then Bale and Bale again against Austria and then Bale again against Ukraine with a bit of help from Yarmolenko. What, what What's it going to be like, do you think, watching Wales at a World Cup? What kind of a footballing spectacle will they provide?
5: I mean, one of the features of watching Wales in recent years has been kind of getting used to the idea that they're generally good. They generally show up. Um, You know, for someone who kind of grew up watching Wales uh, through his fingers, if not behind the sofa, you can generally rely on Wales to, you know, to to produce uh, composed performances. Um, And we obviously saw that Euro 2016. We saw that at times at Euro 2020. We saw that throughout the qualifying campaign for this World Cup. And we particularly saw that in those two playoff games against Austria and Ukraine so i yeah I, I mean Wales are not a not always a spectacular team to watch um you know generally a counter attacking side who rely on the, the pace of Dan James and sort of moments of magic from from Gareth bale um but you know they're they're generally pretty tidy in possession, they're comfortable on the ball um and they have a lot more experience uh, of playing at major tournaments than this u s a team um you know the states are obviously going into this tournament with with a new generation um so i i worry a little bit about the amount of energy that they'll bring uh with their various young whippersnappers uh and how wales will uh will cope with that but uh yeah the the sort of the sort of lesson from uh, the last two tournaments that wales have qualified for is that, that generally speaking wales aren't overawed and and um Generally, give a good account of themselves.
4: Yeah,
1: you always get out the get out the group. Matt, you're half Welsh, aren't you? Suddenly,
4: <laughs> I certainly am. Yeah, um, my father That's the is The Davis Welsh. part of the
5: Davis Adams certainly oh, yeah. is. Um, Tom, I was just wondering, who's going to start in goal? Good question. It's a good question. I mean, when the season started, uh, Danny Ward was obviously between the posts for Leicester. Wayne Hennessey was sitting on the bench for Forrest. You thought, oh, great opportunity for Danny Ward to play himself into a bit of form. And then Leicester had such a dreadful start to the season and Danny Ward in particular seemed to commit a blunder in practically every game. You thought, well, it's probably going to be Hennessy, isn't it? Because he is the, uh, the safer pair of hands. He's, he's got the greater experience. Um, but in, in the recent turnaround that, that Leicester, you know, that, that Leicester went on prior to the, uh, prior to the season, being halted, uh, he was Danny Ward was one of the star men, you know, racking up the the clean sheets and the spectacular save. So, yeah, I think Rob Page has got a, a got a difficult decision to make. In that on the one hand, you've got Danny Ward who's in great form, and on the other hand, you've got Wayne Hennessy, who is uh, obviously one of the uh, one of the heroes of Euro 2016 who's uh, who's still around. Um, so yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be one to look out for when the team sheets get handed in. Tom, any word on uh,
1: the fitness of Gareth Bale? Is he all tip top and everything, and Aaron Ramsey, etc.?
5: Yeah, Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey both look like they're going to be fit to start. Aaron Ramsey's been playing regularly for Nice, um, you know, competing 90 minutes, even, you know, playing in the midfield too. So he looks like he'll be fine. Gareth Bale's minutes have obviously been, been very carefully managed at LAFC, uh, but he seems to be, to be fit and, and fresh. Uh, and fresh from scoring that crucial late equaliser in the MLS Cup final. The main injury issue for Wales is the absence of Joe Allen, uh, which Rob Page confirmed at his press conference this afternoon. Um, and he is, you know, one of the stalwarts of the Euro 2016 campaign. Um, you know, one of the one of the, m- the most experienced players in that squad, uh, and a very important player, if not the most important player, in helping Wales to settle in in the early stages of matches. And I, my sense is that the States with their you know, with their their various young midfielders and attacking players are really going to fly out of the traps and, and want to get up in in Wales's grill. Um, mm. so I I worry that um, that Joe Allen's absence could be costly. But at the same time, there are other players um, who play in that part of the pitch. Ethan Ampadu can play in centre mid even though he's generally plays at the back for Wales. You've got Joe Morrell, who started regularly at Euro 2020. So, yeah, Joe Allen will be a miss, but there there are players who can step in
2: who've got relevant uh, international experience with Wales. Joe Allen, famously a chicken enthusiast um, and also someone who's appeared in the European final more recently than Lionel Messi. So, um, he's got the pedigree. Certainly has. Yeah. First player,
5: I believe, to play at a a World Cup, having also appeared on the front cover of, what was it called? Chicken and Bantam Weekly, I think. There we go. Something like that. That's the one. Um, While
4: well, we're talking about members of the class of of 2016, he They've been collecting fouls. <laughs> yeah, hey. fouls one. Yeah, sorry, a, a paltry number of jokes Ooh. or something. Um, yeah, twenty six Wales must be. Oh well, I'm I'm going to say this with certainty. Wales are the only squad at this World Cup with two League Two players. Uh, amongst their contingent. Uh, we spoke to uh, on the What the EFL podcast last week, we spoke to Johnny Jackson, who is the AFC Wimbledon manager who Chris Gunter plays for, and he was happy for Gunter to play in Wimbledon's last game away to Salford uh, before the break. Whereas Johnny Williams was left out of the Swindon team, which at the time we thought well, that's a magnanimous gesture, making sure that he doesn't get injured. Turns out FIFA pay clubs £9,000 a day. For, the, for their players being away on World Cup duty. So Swindon Town and AFC Wimbledon are banking £9,000 a day from the day that. that Wales flew out to Qatar. So Swindon didn't Sw- want Johnny Williams to get injured and not go to the World yeah, Cup because Swindon, you're talking hundreds of thousands of pounds.
2: And Swindon had a winding up order the other day as well. So they really need the cash. And um, I mean, I'm kind of wishing that Sam Vokes had been called up from Wickham <laughs> now because mm, he didn't put in a £9,000 a day performance against Cheltenham at the weekend. <laughs>
4: There
1: you go, Tom. Listen, best of luck then. We'll catch up with you tomorrow on
5: the Totally Football Show at the World Cup. You will indeed. You'll see me tomorrow, James, yeah. with your actual eyes.
3: You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LifeScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at lifescorebet.com. It's over 8 teams only. Please bet responsibly and be gamblerware.org.
1: There's our Tom Williams there. What of the USA and their aforementioned whippersnappers, uh, ranked above the of course in the FIFA World Standings. The Athletics' Sam School joins us now from Qatar.
6: Sam, thanks so much for joining us. How is everything there? It's been strange. Um, You know, we're staying, we're not staying with the rest of the athletic crew who are pretty much all downtown. Mm -hmm. Um, We're staying in an apartment that U.S. soccer arranged, um, and it's about 10 miles west of the central city. So downtown is kind of like a, it's becoming a zoo as you would imagine. Um, And, you know, that's, that has some fun elements. It's got some annoying elements, but you know, the thing that I've found and the thing that's sticking with me is that this place, everything is so brand new. Um, A lot of things are still under construction. Everything. It feels like a country was like almost unboxed for this specific moment.
1: Well, Monday's the big day for the USMNT. What's the mood like ahead of this World Cup in the States?
6: Yeah, I think one of anticipation and excitement and a little bit of uncertainty. This US team has a lot of players at clubs that American players have never really played for before. You think of Christian Pulisic at Chelsea, uh, Tyler Adams at Leeds now. That's, you know, maybe a level of club that Americans have been at. But in the past at Red Bull Leipzig, West McKenney at Juventus, on and on... Uh, but all these players are young, so there's a little bit of a question mark as to whether or not 2022 is their time or if this is a good table setter for 2026 when the World Cup will be back home in the States as well as Canada and Mexico.
1: How much should we read into recent form of this team? Third in the octagonal qualifying for the World Cup, but, but after that, results haven't been the best. The September friendlies, a 2-0 loss against Japan and a goalless draw with Saudi Arabia.
6: Yeah, no, I was at both of those games, and, and they were really poor in both of them. Uh, having said that, I don't think there's a ton to read into. They were missing quite a few starters. Uh, Eunice Musa, Anthony Robinson, Tim Weah, Gio Reyna got hurt in the second match. Christian Pulisic missed the first match. Their center back situation was very unsettled. We have Tim Reem in camp here at the World Cup. He was not even on that roster. Um, so they were missing quite a few key pieces, and they played really poorly, but for me, that was more of a, of a question of, in the first game, which was by far the worst one, the loss to Japan, a question of 11 guys having an off day at the same exact time. And um, so I'm, I'm not too concerned about that carrying over into Qatar. What do you think about the approach for the, the first game against Wales? Who are the key people gonna be? Yeah, so I have a few questions and a few key people. For sure, Christian Pulisic. Um, You know, the U.S., one of their best recent performances came in June against Morocco, a team that's here at the World Cup and a team that used a five-man back line, much like Wales will on Monday night. And, And the U.S. had a ton of success in that game, dropping Christian Pulisic kind of into more central areas and pulling Wales center backs or, excuse me, Morocco center backs out. And forward off their line towards him. That opened up space in behind on the left where Pulisic is normally stationed. And the U.S. was able to really take advantage of those open areas and, and create a lot of dangerous attacks. So I think Pulisic's movement will be key. I think that'll be big. I think Tyler Adams will be huge. Uh, the amount of defensive work that he does putting out fires is is always massive for the U.S. And then uh, one that's maybe a little little more under the radar would be Eunice Musa who, of course, spent a lot of his childhood in London. He was eligible for England. He played for England youth teams, uh, grew up in the Arsenal Academy, now plays at Valencia. He's only 19. He's a super talented player on the radar of a lot of big clubs. This team is very young. It's the second youngest team at the tournament behind Ghana on average age. There's only one player on the U.S. that's been in a World Cup before. So this is an entirely new experience for 25 of the 26 players on the roster. And... They're young, they don't really know exactly what it is that they're getting into, but I think that will work in their favor. They'll almost be, uh, you know, I don't know if this, this expression applies in the UK, but in, in the States we kind of talk about young teams, like they're too dumb to know what they're getting into. And that, I think, applies to this team in a, in a positive way.
1: I see. Set pieces could be big with Wales. Yeah. Uh, t- tell us briefly about how USA has tried to resolve their own issues with set pieces.
6: Yeah, no, that's a major question mark still. Um, and that's one of the things that, that me and my colleagues are kind of talking about when we talk about who's going to start this game. Uh, Weston McKenney, midfielder for Juventus, he's excellent on set pieces. Walker Zimmerman, who, who plays in MLS for Nashville, he's a center back, a presumptive starter. He's also strong on set pieces. Apart from those two, the U.S. is kind of a little lackluster in the air in particular. So when you talk about who's going to start at center back, a lot of people are calling for Tim Ream, who of course is off to a good start this season with Fulham, doing really well in the Premier League for them. But he's not super strong in the air either. And McKennie, he hasn't played since October 29th. He had an injury at the end of his time with Juve. So if he can't go, do you start Ream and maybe leave yourself vulnerable on set pieces? Or do you bring in Aaron Long, who is bigger, stronger, more athletic, better in the air, but a guy who has come under a lot of criticism for his his play with the U.S., particularly in those matches in September.
1: Sam, how, how positive are you that
6: USA U.S. are going to be dumb enough to beat Wales on Monday? <laughs> I feel pretty confident about it, um, and that's not a disrespect to Wales. I think they have a lot of good players. Uh, they certainly have been together for a long time, good chemistry, understand each other well. Um, but I think the U.S. is just going to be able to kind of find a goal and ride it out. You know, they, they haven't been great playing against teams that sit deep in low blocks, but I think they're going to be able to hit a time or two in transition when Wales looks to get forward. And I think they'll maybe keep a clean sheet in the back. So I think they'll win. And I think ultimately that win will will propel the U.S. through to the round of 16.
1: Sam School of The Athletic there in Qatar. Hmm. USA, do you, know, do you know what their best ever finish at a World Cup is? Third? Yeah. Semi finalists,
2: certainly, in the 1930s World Cup. Mm. A long time before England or any of the other home nations ever even went there. That's so, so very true. They're the real heritage, not
4: mm. us. Uh, While well, we are, or to, to hark back to something earlier mm. uh, that I mentioned about um, Illiman and Jai with his nine goals in the Championship, you remember oh, yeah. uh, Josh Sargent, who stunk mm. up the Premier League last season? He's also got nine goals in the championship this season. For Norwich, yes. He's
2: another player coming into the tournament. He did. He scored two goals in the Premier League at Watford, but that doesn't really count, does it? He's kind of in the championship. One of them was really good, but yeah, he was, yeah.
4: Should have been busted down to Josh Major.
1: If you're keeping track of captaincy, uh, the Americans
4: have announced who will be wearing the armband for them. Matt. Yeah, it's uh, the Leeds midfielder, Tyler Adams. Um, You'd think you'd sort out your captain for the World Cup maybe a little bit sooner than the day before the game but i don't know it depends how much kind of weight
1: you put on it it's a massive thing in english yeah. football, but pretty much nowhere else mm. in that's the world that's
2: the thing isn't it like english sport in general i think from things like cricket i've got a real sort of the captains all, you know mm. really whereas italy just give it to the most experienced player right yeah. yeah i'm just picturing christian pulisic
4: in his tent feeling quite cross tonight, right potentially um i also didn't know that cameron carter vickers the Celtic former Spurs defender was in the USA squad. That's news to me. It's a it's an interesting squad, right? Mm. With Rayner Jr. and Weyer Jr. There's there's lots to
2: enjoy potentially.
4: Well, hopefully so.
2: I mean, it is. I think you know Wales v USA is very much a kind of experienced you know team with some fading you know best possible way superstars
1: against a- young, dumb, and full
2: of well, we all know figure. the quote. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know with those Leeds players in the, in the squad as well, they will play a little bit like that. And I think they will, you know, Wales having the ball won't won't phase them. Smash I mean, really, mouth football. Mm, well, I'm looking forward to this game. All
1: right. It is the final game on the Monday. And straight after it, we will be producing another Totally at the World Cup with Tom Williams, as you were hearing. Also joining us, Carl Anker and other voices from the wide world of the World Cup. That brings us to the end of today's show, though. So many, many thanks to that snippet of Nick Miller that we heard earlier on, Tom, Duncan, Matt, producer Charlie, listener. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you again back here in a day's time from all of us here. It's goodbye.
3: You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com/totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. Get the latest football betting odds at livescorebet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleraware.org.
6: the Athletic.